Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode Zoe 101. Yes, I'm going to make that reference, because I can, and this is like our only chance to make that reference, but I don't care. Um, it's busy this week, but it's going to be a good week. Uh, we've wrapped up the 100th episode, but um, let's just say we're only just now starting to get busy. Uh, if the 100th episode wasn't stressed enough... Josh, how are you holding up with all of our future projects? Bro, I mean, I'm never going to be the kind of person to be like, we bit off more than we can chew, but we're coming out swinging and uh, I'm tired. (laughs) We're trying, dude. I'm on like my, I want to say fourth edit of the the, uh, Fantastic Four pitch. And it's, and a lot of it's just because I want it to be I don't care if it's perfect. I just want it to be good. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm working. I don't know. How about you? How's it been going for you, bud? Uh, my goal is to finish the script by tonight. So when this episode airs for you guys at home, the script will be done. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like 60 to 65% done. Like I know where the story goes. It's just fleshing it out. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm just tired for this upcoming week. Cause I know on top of my regular work, I'm just be like, I'm going to be very in it editing wise for this one uh, as I do for any of this, our story pitches. Um, but that's fine. I enjoy it. It's been a while since I've edited a video, so it'll be nice to get back on the swing of that. Um, but we've got a lot to talk about before we get into that. Any of that, Josh, are you watching anything good lately? Bro. Bes- oh, I know the one major thing you've been watching. I've watched two things. Yeah, I've watched two things. Did I talk about Lovecraft? I talked about Lovecraft last week. Yeah, yeah, because Kang yeah, the Conqueror. We talked about Kang the um, Conqueror. So this week was Adventure Time with Josh. Um, I don't know why I chose this week of all weeks to try to watch a couple new things, but I did. Um, I watched the entire first season and hopefully only season of Watchmen on HBO and bro. Holy cow. It is extremely hard to not talk about this show without giving spoilers because everything is so well interconnected and it's so well done. The actors are great. The CGI is great. Uh, That was something that caught me off guard was like, everything looks really, really good. I know it's HBO, but like it's HBO. Yeah. So it's going to look really good. It's HBO. It's, of course, it's going to look good. Yeah. So, but um, also, and this is uh, a harken back for Josh because uh, I don't know about you, but my Saturday mornings involved a certain show called Sonic X. And so I finally checked out uh, the Sonic movie and I kind of enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. I got, like, it's not I great, but it's, it's better than it should be. Yeah, it's not yeah, bad. Yeah, like the, the the storytelling is like easy, like you know, paint by numbers as far as hero does things, but like it's still fun. It's still like I still like enjoy seeing Sonic. I think in because of how what he does in the climax, there was a part of me that like, and this is just this is something that happens with all nerds. Um, I saw that, and I my brain went back to all the stuff that happens in Sonic X, the animated TV show. And I was just like, bro, like when they bring in the chaos emeralds and then he goes gold and we can see knuckles and shadow. Like, this is going to be so cool if they keep going. And 
I mean, I hope it gets a sequel. But I'm just, it is. And then I just sat there and was like, yeah, but it's the Sonic movie. Why am I enjoying it this much? This is upsetting. <laughs> yeah, it, it's getting a sequel. I think they announced that um, earlier this year after it did decently well. I enjoyed it better than I thought I would. It's not like I liked it as much as Dora. Like, that was a real pleasant surprise, but it wasn't bad. Um, it's well, My only complaints to Sonic are it's very, very cliche and paint-by-numbers of just like, yeah. yeah, this is where it's going. Also, I thought Transformers had bad product placement. Oh my goodness. Like, I joked with Heather, but I kind of mean it. Of So when we complained about how bad Sonic's designs were, I'm pretty sure the re-edits for the post-production was sponsored by Olive Garden because, good grief, do they shill Olive Garden hard in this movie, and it's so bizarre. <laughs> it's like an actual Olive Garden commercial. Yeah, it's... <laughs> When um when they hit us with uh uh because at Olive Garden your family I legitimately laughed because it was like I know this is a product placement but of the ways to do it it's so bizarre but I'm here for it I guess. <laughs> so also I'm watching Sonic going. We talk all the time about how like Keanu Reeves and Paul Rudd don't age. At what point are we going to start giving James Marsden the respect he deserves of that man also looks exactly the same like he did in the first X-Men movie in 2000. Like, that dude does not age. And he is a really big part of why I think Sonic was pretty good. He was, is a real, normally those human characters are annoying. And James Marsden has been oddly typecast as guy that finds a furry CGI sidekick looking at you, Hop. It was just he's that weird oddly specific typecast but he was he's was actually really good in it also like this is a weird nitpick but i like the relationship that he had with his wife it actually felt realistic of just like a they weren't at each other's throats all the time like movie couples so often are they're like the spousal dispute that always ends up happening in movies because of some misunderstanding like never happens he just explains what's happening she's like oh okay yeah that makes sense i trust you okay i'm like oh <laughs> normal yeah. human beings this is bizarre what are you watching these days man um it's not so much what i'm watching because i haven't been watching a ton it's been what i've been playing so um i have behind me my fancy new computer that i got for us for video projects and streaming um making the show easier um but it's also the first time in a while that I've had like an actual really good gaming computer like i can handle Atta good boy. games so what's the first thing that i play X-Wing versus TIE Fighter from 1997 on the joystick. Yeah. Not even ashamed. Like, I saw that was in the Origin store on my computer. I'm just like, I need that. I need that now. Because that was, like, my first game ever. Like, you plug in the joystick and everything. You, like, pilot your X-Wing. So, I've been playing that. And I've been playing Battlefront 2 from 2005. The OG Battlefront. The OG Battlefront 2. And because I'd play on just play it by myself in single player mode i remember the cheat codes so i just play with unlimited ammo and invincibility and just ruin bots days and it's just wonderful it's just the best to just spam the lightsaber um chuck like your kratos or thor and it's just it's gratifying so yeah i've been jamming out to battlefront 2 for a little bit uh well before we get into our main news topics there's one kind of important news topic that not a lot of people are talking about um because it would mean that they would have to admit that they're wrong about something but 
I'll be man enough to admit that we got something wrong, primarily because we were getting this from really reliable sources, like Deadline and Variety, so I thought it was true, and there's a lot more to this story that I don't think we've gotten everything for yet, so, um, Josh, I'm sure you remember the classic recently of Jason Snowmoa. I remember us talking vaguely about uh, Jason Momoa playing, what what was it, Frosty? Yes. So, um, I I wasn't going to talk about this, but I feel like it's important to, even if other people aren't doing it, I feel like it's important for us to clarify when we're wrong, especially when it's coming out of the horse's mouth himself, of Jason Momoa has come out and said that these reports of him being Frosty are completely false because they came out around the same time of Ray Fisher doing his investigation of WB with the Justice League situation. And so Warner Brothers may or may not have been putting fake news stories out there to distract people. So this is like super tinfoil conspiracy hat theory, but Jason Momoa himself has come out and said, Warner Brothers, you're basically putting fake headlines out. I'm not attached to any Frosty movie, so you can shove it basically. So that's our, but again, we thought this was legit because deadline was reporting it. Variety was reporting it. Um, so we want to acknowledge now that thing is not happening. Um, and I've said before, I like the justice league that we got. That being said, I completely believe Ray Fisher's statements that some bad things happened during those reshoots. And I side with Ray Fisher and I think I'm, I'm still kind of wondering what he his end game is of just like what he wants to happen like going forward like do you want certain people out of power well those people are out of power anyway like I still whatever it is I stand with Ray Fisher because I I believe Joss Sweden did some bad stuff those allegations have been around for a very long time even before he did the Avengers stuff uh, before just like I mean so it's not a full fledged news story but I I wanted to come on acknowledge hey. We messed up. We thought we were right about something with the Jason Momoa stuff because all the major trades are saying it. But from Momoa's mouth himself, that may or may not have been a false lead by Warner Brothers themselves to kind of distract from some other PR things that they're going through. So whether they'll ever acknowledge it or not, I don't care. We want to acknowledge that we goofed up. Doesn't mean I'm going to delete that amazing graphic that I made of Jason Momoa's head on Frosty's face. (laughs) But yeah, um, let's get into some actual news. So I was working on our graphics and literally as I was putting in our graphics for the show, some new trailer comes along and just ruins everything for me to reorganize everything, put in some extra notes. But because we got a WandaVision trailer finally, so I kind of knew this was happening. Like I was scrolling through Instagram and somebody said, WandaVision trailer is dropping to the Emmys tonight. I was like, oh, sure. Okay, that's out of left field, but it kind of makes sense. Um, so the WandaVision officially has dropped. And I'm uh, still, even after this trailer, my excitement level is more or less where it was before. Like, not more excited, not less excited. I think of all the f- upcoming Marvel Disney Plus shows... This is probably the one that I'm least excited for. 
even after this trailer, yeah. and I think that mainly comes down to tone. I'm not really digging this whole like sitcom vibe to it. Um, but I think there's a some major Easter eggs that they're really easy to miss that kind of give us some clues as the direction of the show that at least get me curious, but we'll dive into that in a little bit here. Uh, but Josh, you saw the WandaVision trailer. What's your initial reactions to it? I'm kind of with you, man. I, I, I'm not digging this little sitcom thing we got going on. I, the big issue that I'm having is it just, it, it seems like something could go wrong at any moment, but it's, it's just being presented. I don't know. I, I'm getting this. Uh, what is the? Jeez. Oh, There's a movie with Tobey Maguire. Pleasantville. Yes, I'm getting like hardcore Pleasantville vibes from this. Uh-huh. But like, same. Um, also, not the potential for things to go like really wrong. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um. I think there's some interesting Easter eggs. Like there's obvious cool ones of like seeing Scarlet Witch and Vision both in their classic comic book appearance. And I've seen some people go, well, this is just proof of why you can't have comic accurate suits in movies. I'm like, that's because these are specifically supposed to look cheesy and stupid. I think if Marvel tried, they could have made Vision comic book accurate and Scarlet Witch comic book accurate. It's not like the suits don't fully translate. It's how they're presented. But I think that could be fun. I think they're, like, really playing heavy into this trailer, and they probably will for the show, of um, we're going to very soon meet Wanda's kids because they, like, really play that up in uh, the Disney Plus spot from a few months back. Like, the very few quick glimpses that we saw, she's got, like, the twin um, baby beds next to each other, and then in this one they're having that, like, dinner scene and the guy just keeps going, when are you going to have kids? When are you going to have kids? It's just like, okay, so are we going to introduce Wanda's kids? Which, if I remember correctly, aren't they both mutants? You're the yeah. You're the House of M guy who, here. I don't remember but I remember them being mutants. Yeah, you're the House of M guy here. Um, uh, yeah, it, but even then, that's like it's such like weird territory too because there's so much that hasn't been developed yet for them to go full house of M, but I don't know, dude, I, the, the thought I had, I did have is very, like very much <laughs> Hawkeye esque where the old, whole reason we haven't called her Scarlet witch yet is because her daughter's going to be Scarlet witch. But I hate that idea of doing that with two characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think she's, I think the reason they haven't called her Scarlet witch yet is, because she isn't Scarlet Witch yet. I think this mm-hmm. either this or Doctor Strange will turn her into the Scarlet Witch. Or maybe that was her code name in Age of Ultron when they like were still just the twins with her and Quicksilver. Um I'm I'm at least curious. Like I don't care about the show, but I care more about it in the sense that it leads into Doctor Strange into the multiverse of madness which is probably the one movie in phase four that i'm excited for more than any other just because that's got the most interesting potential i think well yeah. besides ant-man 3 now because ant-man 3 has got a lot of interesting possibilities but i i really am not a fan of the tone um because they've said from the get-go this this is gonna be like a comedy slash sitcom because they brought in katherine hahn who's a tv actress they've brought in kat dennings from two broke girls who was also in the first two thor movies and i'm going really we're bringing back darcy 
the only other character that I hate more than Darcy is Jane Foster, who, of course, is coming back, too. But I'm just like, really? Or Randall Park from the Ant-Man movies is coming. Like, all these famous TV actors. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not really digging this comedic tone. I get changing up styles. Like, Marvel's done a really good job of, like, Guardians doesn't feel the same as Winter Soldier, which doesn't feel the same as Ragnarok, which doesn't feel the same as Iron Man. This just feels a little too outside of my bubble of interest but marvel has proven me wrong before so i'm kind of hoping that's the case for this one but i haven't seen enough that i'm interested but yeah i and i think the big thing too is they're like it's going to be a comedy so it'll be different than the other other marvel movies and it's like will it because the other marvel movies already feel like they shoehorn jokes in all the time. So uh, what makes this a comedy? What's different, you know? This time, we're intentionally trying to be funny. We're aware of our own humor. I'm just... <laughs> no. On, just get out of here. Uh, yeah, it's... It's whatever. And I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of expecting more from our other trailer that we're gonna talk about, too. Now, this trailer was better than the WandaVision, but I was kind of hoping for more from the Mandalorian yeah. season two trailer. It was a cool trailer. Don't get me wrong, but we really, really do not see much. And um, so Heather actually did not watch the Mandalorian with me the first time. Um, just our schedules didn't line up. So we're going through it right now. She's only seen the first three episodes. She's like, is anything going to be spoiled for me? If I watch this trailer, I'm like, no, actually all the only thing you miss if you watch this trailer is you just need to watch the very first episode of The Mandalorian to know that he picks up Baby Yoda. That's the only thing you need to know, which I think is super bizarre. Like, where's any reference to that massive cliffhanger in Season 1 with Moff Gideon and that weapon that he finds? Um, a random Sasha Banks appears, like a rare Pokemon. Yeah! Like, I actually had to pause and go, Wait, is that Rosario Dawson who is supposed to be playing Ahsoka? Oh, wait, nope, that's Sasha which, Banks. Oh, okay. Yeah, which I have questions because th- that I don't think that's Ahsoka. No, Mm-mm. but that's okay. There's some other th- people. It's got to be like a Sith or something like that, nope. like an Inquisitor. Nope. Oh, okay. What you got? Uh there's a lot of people, and I'm I'm one of them. I think Sasha Banks is going to be playing Sabine. Ren from Rebels. Oh, I'm so incredibly down for that. I didn't even, like... I mean, you and I, like, kind of had a feeling Sabine was going to pop up. Because of how Rebels is... Rebels ends, I mean, she kind of... If Ahsoka shows up, Sabine kind of, it's a facto, has to show up. Um... Wow, I like that way more than I thought I would. My only... I don't know if I'm down with her. I don't know her acting ability, but... Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, I don't know, because it's... Wrestling... Wrestlers being actors is very hit or miss. And this is coming from a former wrestling fan. Like, you've got some people that translate really, really well. Like, The Rock, yeah. who's translated better than anybody else. But then you've got people like Hulk Hogan or... I want to give her the benefit of the doubt, but more recent memory, like a like a Charlotte Flair, who 
really cannot act. So Sasha Banks, I, we have not seen her. Thankfully, she was able to avoid those god-awful Marine movies with The Miz. So this is like her first actual acting. I really, really hope they didn't just cast her because like Sabine, Sasha Banks also changes her hair color a lot. I don't mm-hmm. think that would be the only thing. It's just a funny connection if she ends up being Sabine. Um, but I think Sabine could be your backdoor into Ahsoka because we've heard Ahsoka rumors, we've heard Boba Fett rumors, and most importantly, we've heard Jamie Lee Curtis rumors. I'm still kind of hoping she's the bad guy. But yeah, there it's weird that like they don't, they almost don't reference season one like at all. But mm-hmm. also, besides the fact this that this is like, definitely this is definitely plays more like a teaser than it does an actual trailer. Yeah, which you shouldn't have your teaser for something that's dropping next month, like. I mean, I guess this is October I think they're still 30th. Trying to keep... Yeah, but I, I think they're still trying to keep it everything like really close to the chest, which in some ways I kind of really respect because Disney is not exactly the best sometimes about keeping secrets. So uh, that's only I'll I'll fight you a little bit on that one. That's mainly only the Rise of Skywalker, which got leaked like six months before. Normally, Disney's pretty good about that. It's actually Warner Brothers that's terrible fair, about fair. keeping I'll their secrets. Like Disney's normally pretty good. We didn't hear anything about Endgame before that came out. I don't know how they were able to keep that quiet, especially since Tom Holland's still alive. Um, <laughs> Poor guy. But, I need to see his movie with, with Robert Pattinson on Netflix. Oh, The Devil All the Time. Yes, I've heard very good things. It's Robert Pattinson, so if nothing else, he's going to bring it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, I, I'm really looking forward to Mandalorian, and I really, really wanted to like this trailer. I just... I think there was too much filler. Like, that opening shot of, like, the ship coming across the planet. I'm like, okay, we get it. The ship speed up. Okay. You can, you can cut to a different shot now. You're really, you're just really dragging us out. Okay. However, there's some, there's one detail that I'm like, oh, is that the thing that I think that is? Um, there's like showing all these different planets. You see a Tusken Raider on a Bantha, which was pretty cool. So clearly we're going to Tatooine at some point. We go to a snow planet at one point. I'm like, that's not Hoth. That's Ilum. Which. Yeah, boy. For those that don't know, Ilum is where Jedi and if I remember correctly, both Sith, too. I don't remember. Um, as far as I'm aware, yeah. Both Jedi and Sith go to get the crystals that power their lightsabers. Kyber crystals. Also, the thing that powered the Death Star. Um, it's a very important planet that, unfortunately, after a certain time, no longer exists. Because, uh, Josh, do you know what happens to Ilum? I don't... So, in today's um, in today's installment of Josh learns some stuff, but also <laughs> Josh exposes the fact that he never finished Jedi Fallen Order. I mean, that would have required me to have played it, so It's so good. I wouldn't be surprised if that's one of the free games soon though for PlayStation. But um Yeah, so, I, that's that's I was kind of like hoping that it would just kind of be free at one point. <laughs> so, this isn't a this is not a spoiler for uh Fallen Order. Because it's something you don't really notice and if you don't know the Easter egg. So after you've completed the game, you can go back to the planet of Ilum later on after the game's completed and everything. Because you stop there for a little bit in the story. But if you go after the story's completed, they've started construction on the planet. And it's got this big, huge groove in the middle. And they, did, they didn't 
outright state it, but they all but confirmed that Ilum becomes Starkiller base in Force Awakens. Whoa, and that's the, wild. And the planet's core with kyber crystals is what powers Starkiller base and is able to destroy all those planets. That would have been such a cool detail to have in Force Awakens. J.J. Abrams, the master of Star Wars movies that don't tell you the details that you want to know. But we'll save that for our main discussion. So, yeah. yeah. In, in closing, um, I like but didn't love this trailer. Don't get me wrong. I'm still super excited for this show. I think it'll be great. I have faith in the creative team. I just... I was kind of hoping for more and maybe like Josh said, we'll get some bigger, maybe they're just really holding back some big reveals like a baby Yoda type reveal. But I, I don't know. I think they took for granted that people are really already amped for this show. Um, now for our last Disney plus related news, cause boy, it's been a Disney plus day. Yes, it has. We finally, we have some major progress in the she Hulk series, which yeah, I'm more excited for the She-Hulk series than WandaVision, just because, again, WandaVision doesn't really excite me that much. But She-Hulk at least has my curiosity. Um, and now it's found its main character in an actress by the name of Tatiana Maslani. Maslani? I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, and I apologize. But I'm not going to lie. I don't know that much about this actress. She's most known for, uh, I believe, Orphan Black looks the okay. part um i know some people were just like they said they're going with allison brie i'm like they, they, they never said that they were said they were looking for an actress that's an allison brie type um doesn't mean they wanted to cast allison brie also i never really bought those rumors just because i like allison brie she seems cool but i never see her as a she hulk type which yeah for those that don't know she hulk is the cousin of bruce banner who needed uh, an emergency blood transfusion so she got Bruce's blood and more or less that turned her into She-Hulk except unlike the Hulk who transforms from Bruce Banner to the Hulk Jennifer cannot transform she is permanently green and permanently at the size that she is at um, mm-hmm. and moonlights as a lawyer um, like Daredevil except still green in everything so we've got multiple lawyers um I'm at least curious about She-Hulk. I think there's a lot of interesting possibilities. I think Mark Ruffalo has said that he's he's going to be in the show in some capacity. And also Liv Tyler is supposedly coming back as um, Betty Ross, which I'm going. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm going, really? Really? We're digging there. So maybe this okay. is also maybe this is also the back door to Red Hulk because he's still alive. Um, bro, don't tempt me with Red Hulk, bro. So the big thing I want to make sure that we say on this podcast today when it comes to She-Hulk is um, – so I don't know if you read the comic sec- the comment sections of any of these in the announcement for her. But I mixed. saw so many people that were like, oh, we're just to have to have female versions of, of characters now. And I was like, bro, She-Hulk's been around for forever. Like if you don't know who She-Hulk is, this is your fault. Awesome. She's awesome. Also – for all those like diehard comic book fans who would just like worship at the feet of Deadpool because he's so edgy and like the king of edgelord and self-aware comedy, you do realize She-Hulk came before Deadpool and like Deadpool, She-Hulk also knows she's a comic book character. So mm-hmm. Marvel can have a lot of fun with that. 
Um, by and large, here's the funny thing. The casting for, M- for the MCU has almost entirely been spot on, except for one movie, but I know Josh and I will disagree on this movie. Um, I hated the casting of Edward Norton as Hulk. Um, but you, yeah. but you liked it. Um, yeah. Uh, but the, here's the interesting thing. All the Marvel movies have been cast by the same woman, Sarah Finn. She's in charge of the casting, except for one Marvel movie. Three guesses what that was, Josh. Wait, what's up? I'm sorry. It, it, it skipped on me. So Sarah Finn has casted yeah. every single MCU movie, except for one. Can you guess what that is? The <laughs> Edward Norton Incredible Hulk? <laughs> yep. It is no coincidence that the one movie that she did not cast for is the one that ended up getting recast with someone much better. So if this is her choice, then hey, she bats incredibly well for Marvel, and I trust her choices. And also, I love that Marvel, nine times out of ten, they will get the names that are not necessarily the names that people would have thought, but they always end up working. That's what makes me kind of hesitant that we might not get uh, John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic because everyone wants it, and normally Marvel kind of, they know best. They they don't go into fan casting unless it's Doctor Strange, in which case everyone and their mother was predicting Benedict Cumberbatch, and that ended up happening. Um, So I have enough faith in Marvel that this could work. Um, I'm excited. I'll be. I'm more curious than anything else of visually. How are they going to do this? Like, are they actually going to do the budget needed to do a CGI, or is it going to be practical? Um, if you had to guess, what would you say, Josh? I, I, mm, and see, that's tough because I, I'm not too familiar with with her. Uh, with what is it, Ta- Tatiana? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I was I was more like me reading the name over and over to make sure I pronounced it right. Uh, I'm not that familiar with her, so I don't know how tall she is or anything like that. Um, She's not seven foot. I won't doubt that they probably will do uh, a combo of practical and C- CGI, but it's probably going to be more heavier. It's going to be heavier on the CGI section of it. And it probably needs to be because so yeah. She she Hulk is not nearly as big as her cousin, but she's still like seven foot jacked. So yeah. there's probably going to be some form of augmentation there. Um, but that's that's fine. It's just a matter of can you do it well and not like that deleted. I can't pick on it. It's an unfinished scene, but that bonus feature at the end of Endgame when you go back to see it in theaters later in that unfinished Hulk scene. Um, but again, is this going to be movie budget or TV budget? So that'll be interesting to see. Um, so we normally cover movies here, but it's uncharted media and we cover other forms of media and entertainment besides just movies. Case in point, video games. And at long last, PlayStation has finally, finally unveiled pricing for the PlayStation 5. So we're going to have both a completely disc-free, a discless version of the PlayStation 5 for 400 bucks, and a hard drive version with an actual disk drive for 500 bucks. Um, I'm not going to lie. I already knew I was going to get this probably, but I was actually shocked 
to see the price point. I'm not going to lie. I was I was hearing more expensive. I was thinking probably around the 600 range. Now, Josh, don't jump the gun here and go into the <laughs> now, Don't go into the, don't jump the gun here yet cuz Josh is like <laughs> chomping at the bit. Josh, I can't. We'll, we'll get to the other thing in a second. Just trust me. I can't. <laughs> Guys, this is like me holding the leash on a wild dog, like holding him back. <laughs> Josh, before we get to the thing that you so desperately want to talk about, will you be getting this? And if so, which version will you be getting? The disc-free or the disc-drive version? Okay. I'm probably going to get disc-free because I have never bought a disc. Okay, I'm not going to say never, but like I mainly buy uh, just through the store because it's just more convenient um, and games are not necessarily the things that have like a sentimental value when it comes to having like the actual disc. It's different. Like it's not the same for DVDs as it is games because while the game having the disc is nice, it's also really nice to be able to play the game whenever you want with or without, without the disc. <laughs> so it's true. Well, I will be getting the disc drive for two reasons. I still have a lot of my PS4 games on disc. Um, so like oh, older okay. baseball games, uh, my Uncharted trilogy, um, Battlefront 2. Now, a lot of games, if you have the PlayStation Plus subscription, if you get a PlayStation 5, you get a buttload of games off the bat, which I'm just like, mm-hmm. that's nice. That's a nice like little bonus. So you get like uh, Uncharted 4, you get um, that... No other game matters. Um, no, you get <laughs> you get Uncharted Four, Arkham Knight. Um, I think Resident Evil Seven. Um, like you get a bunch of games, uh, but also, you know me, I'm a physical media guy. Not just uh, I have a whole bunch of PS4 games still on disc, but also I kind of want to see what their 4K player is like, and I have a lot of 4K discs. Um, so then my parents could just have my for my regular 4K player, uh, but also. If you get if you have that PlayStation Plus subscription, you get the um, I want to just say it God of War four because it's more or less even if they just call it God of War, and I'm sure that was intentional because okay Josh you're let off your leash go. Oh my gosh! Okay, so first of all, um, <laughs> it's with the the teaser we got for the I guess God of War five. Six, eight. I. It depends on which one. How many? How many you count? Because we're not counting got... the Vita games. Okay, I'll have you know the PSP game for fun. Anyway, if I, okay. If I can't count Uncharted: The Golden Abyss in actual canon games, and you can't count the PSP <laughs> God of Fair. War games, okay, fine. <laughs> so, God of War Five. <laughs> okay, we're not calling it that. We're calling it what it is. I know. I was leading into it, man. I'm just too excited. So the teaser for it is not much <laughs> at all, but it's just enough. Being that somebody <laughs> that somebody's me <laughs> that's played through the through the game not once but twice and hundred percented it both times. Um, twice. Probably, that's it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I I did it. Tw- I did. Yeah, yeah, twice. That's it. But because like New Game Plus, and I think then I got I was starting to get into uh, like Spider Man came out, and then I was getting into Apex. So it was like I had other stuff to do that other than just it's hard 
to just always be Kratos. Um, anyway, um, so Rag- God of War Ragnarok is is coming, and I have que- I have more questions now than I did before, and all they did was show the logo, bro. Which <laughs> very important. It's blue this time, not red. Um, it is. I'll, I'll have you know. I was scrolling through Twitter and I hadn't seen it because I don't think they announced it like during the regular thing because I was watching the live stream for when they announced everything um, and I saw it on Twitter um, a f- few hours later and my first thought was, oh crap, because <laughs> I'm just like, well, Josh is excited and then I watched a <laughs> teaser trailer and no joke, I could just, Josh is states away and while I'm watching, I'm just like, I don't know how, but I could just feel Josh's nerdy breath just breathing down my neck while I'm watching, just going, "Okay, I get you. I get it, Josh. You're here. This is your thing." Um, but okay, even as a casual to Norse mythology, if you say Ragnarok, I'm there. Um, which makes me think, like, is this the end of the Viking? Part. Mm-hmm. I was thinking they were making I have questions. I thought they were going to be making like they did with the original of a trilogy per mythology. Mm-hmm. But spoiler alert: Ragnarok does not mean hey, we're the middle of someone's adventure. It means it's the end for somebody or the end for and the world of Lord of the Rings. It's the end of all things because yeah. even if you don't know what Ragnarok is, think of Thor Ragnarok. What happened at the end of that? All of Asgard was destroyed. So, um, Kratos is going to ruin somebody's day. Also, um, I'm going through the first God of War again after that announcement. I was just like, I got to go through this this time. And also, for those, we're not going to spoil it for those that don't know, but that end tease, that mm-hmm. fight better live up to the hype. I'm talking like Batman, Mr. Freeze, and Arkham City level good, or else I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, it's. And I think. If any, because it's the exact same team, so I have no doubt they understand that they delivered a incredible game, and it needs to be followed up on with something as incredible. Um, yeah. So Ragnarok, I don't know if <clears throat> I'm trying not to spoil this for people who haven't played the game yet, which is. And like it's been out for a, a hot minute, so what are you waiting on? But um, that final panel that Atreus doesn't see, I'm gonna say it now. I don't think that happens in this game. Okay, okay. You think there's gonna be a um, third it, Viking era? I know. I think because they they tease that Tyr has gone to different. Um, different um lands so this is my thought process okay so either the end panel panel comes true and uh we have a different set of games from here on out or with a certain other character or this is just the end of the viking and a couple characters are going to go on adventures in other places, which I'm not against either. Uh, there's really no direction that they can take in this that I'm not going to enjoy. They could, I was going to say, they could probably literally do a Last of Us 2 and just kill off Kratos in the first five minutes and you still have Josh's money forever and always, basically. Like, Well, it, it's going to depend on what they do with Atreus. 
because I've seen some some fan edits of him as a like a like mid twenties hero, and I was like, I'm here for this. He like tattoos himself after his dad, and it was like, yes. But I've also seen edits of um, I actually have it as my background um, of what Kratos would look like if he killed Odin and took over Asgard. <laughs> and I was like, I'm here for that. Let's go. Oh, dude. Also, for the record, Atreus doesn't have a name. It's just boy. Like, <laughs> this one's going to be called God of War Ragnarok, and then the next one's just going to be called God of War Boy. <laughs> and it's... I am not against that idea at all. <laughs> Technically, uh, he does have multiple names. Anyway, um... Mm. <laughs> But yes, what well, uh, we got going on, man? I uh, do we are we moving forward with something, resetting something here? Yeah. So uh, I love all the headlines that are just like um, Flash producer confirms that we're more or less going into a new Fifty Two situation. I'm going, um, guys. I hate to break it to you, but we're kind of already in the new Fifty Two. This is more like a new Fifty Two DC Rebirth situation. But um, well, uh, let's break it down for the normies, shall we? Um. So Barbara Muschietti was recently interviewed. For those that don't know, she is the wife of Andy Muschietti, who is directing the uh, upcoming Flash movie. Uh, she's also the producer on all of the films, including this Flash movie. So she was asked about the Flash movie in particular, and she said the movie won't. Uh, the movie will reset everything, but it'll also remember everything. And I see a lot of people jumping on and going, "This is gonna reset." Uh, the stuff so Zack Snyder's stuff never happened for those people that don't like Zack Snyder's movies and other people are just going how are they erasing Zack Snyder's timeline or whatever else and I'm going that is not what she said at all she said it will erase it'll reset everything but it also will remember everything which is exciting to me but also not surprising um because it that's basically a flashpoint um so (laughs) yeah that's like that's what we're here for. That's what we thought we were already getting. But the the difference is what people assuming of just like it's going to reset everything. Not quite. So in Flashpoint, and I'm just, I all but guarantee you this is what's going to happen for the Flash movie of the Snyder version, the Snyder universe is not disappearing. It's just going to be engulfed into part of the narrative, which I think is making lemonade out of lemons, basically, of, like, making the best yeah. out of the situation of you are not going to alienate the Snyder fans, but also at the same time, you're going to acknowledge it to the fans that didn't like the movies. And that's fine. I'm I'm somewhere in the middle. I love Man of Steel, most of it. I have some issues with the... I don't have issues with Superman killing. It's more or less the pacing. I think the first half is all story, and the second half is all action, and it's not paced incredibly well. hate Batman mm-hmm. versus Superman, though. Um, but I think this is interesting because... Like uh, any time travel with the Flash in the comics, this will kind of incorporate anything DC related in the past and acknowledge that it happened while going in a completely new path. It's kind of hard to explain without having a whole full like hour long discussion about the Flashpoint and time travel logic. But basically, when Barry goes back to change his past, he changes everything. Um, then when he changes it back to be what it was before, it still changes stuff. So, this is going to reset the DCEU more than anything. But also, at the same time, it still acknowledges that the Snyder stuff happened. It still acknowledges that any movie, the Christopher Reeves movie, the Christian Bale movies, everything 
has happened, which I think is a really smart choice. Um, it's just, this is a really big undertaking. I hope they can pull it off. It's just probably going to be really, really tricky. Um, but Josh, mm-hmm. you see that the Flash supposedly is resetting everything, but also acknowledging everything. Is that stuff that you're excited for, not thoughts? I don't know, man. I There's a lot going on here. Um, with Besides the problematic inclusion of uh, Ezra Miller still as Flash. Um, not even acknowledging what happened. Yeah, I actually had was talking to somebody this past week who was like, yeah, so who'd they end up recasting him as uh, Flash because of all the stuff that Ezra went? And I was like, they didn't. Ezra's still Flash. What? No. Like, yeah, he's still Flash. That's messed up. Yeah, it is. And supposedly, um, but fil- also, and supposedly they're filming also, Fantastic like, Beasts soon too. But yeah, it's just but like also from the inclusion of 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 Batfleck and um, Michael Keaton. Like, what what are what is this going to look like? Why do you need more than one Batman? What's happening here? And supposedly um, we're gonna have more surprises in the movie too, which I'm yeah, fine and, with. And I would not be surprised. If they have a ton of, of stuff, Henry alternate. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Chill. I, Chill. So, <laughs> people have the rain dance or whatever. I need a Henry Cavill dance of just like sacred Superman candles and pray to the comic book gods <laughs> for the return. Because there are some new rumors floating around, but I'm I'm tired of the boy who cried Cavill. Um, like if reputable sources or Henry Cavill himself standing on top of the daily freaking planet says it i'm not gonna believe it yet i've been duped too many times we almost talked about it this week but the sources aren't 100 percent credible yeah they're more reliable than some other sources but i also david s amberg who directed shazam stop toying with us he did a poll of like what superheroes <laughs> would you like to see in shazam 2 and like everyone voted for superman and so when you clicked on superman it's like sure i'll I'll bring back the taxi driver from Superman 2, and I'm like, I hate you so you... much, Dave F. Sandberg. <laughs> He's such a troll, bro. He's such a troll. Oh, my gosh. No, but, yeah, I feel that. I um, I remember you texting me, and I was busy doing something, and I just look, looked at it and went, I'm going to deal with this in a second. <laughs> and put it back in my pocket. Because <laughs> I was like, I am... I am not in the mindset to have this conversation. This is like this is why like Nathan doesn't text me about like God of War and like stuff like that. But like right away he just waits. We'll chill. We'll discuss it. <laughs> but also probably Josh is just like tired of me jumping the gun going because it's like a <laughs> once a month type of thing of like Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, Superman is back, and then like nothing comes of it. it again, it's the boy who cried <laughs> Cavill here. <Yeah. laughs> but. I would not be surprised if he does come back for the Flash. Yeah, no, uh, among, no, definitely not a bit. Among other projects, I really think DC is going to try and pull out all the stops on this one and try and get as many people to cameo as possible, including yes, Ray Fisher if they can. Fine. Yeah, I mean they can. They uh, do what they want, man. I mean, you'll be wild as if they bring in the alternate versions of Superman too as a surprise, just for kicks and gigs. Ooh. I still, if he was still alive, I think it would have been great to do like a flashback. Maybe they can use old stock footage of Christopher Reeve Superman and be like, it's all connected. 
And then like, when he says that, there's the classic footage of Superman in the very first Superman movie going like that. I'll be like, that would be really, really cool. To, That'd be super cool. To include we'll, everything. We'll see what happens, man. I don't know. I'd like, what's, um, what's a cameo outside of this, what we just talked about? What's a cameo that you would really want? Kevin Conroy done right. So Kevin Conroy is in Crisis on Infinite Earths as Batman, but boy, did they screw him over and just not do him justice. I would say either Kevin Conroy in some form of a Batman or Brenton Thwaites Nightwing from the Titans show. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I think that would be cool. Maybe Brandon yeah. Ralph as Superman. I think could be cool. Um, It'd be fun if both cyborgs met. Oh, Doom Patrol cyborg, you mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just to like really tie everything in but like i doubt that i doubt that'll happen that'd be weird to be able to pull that off i don't know man we're in the age of comic books where you can never really say never anymore after endgame yeah. i think anything is fair game now um i like the prospect of we're not ignoring anything that way for the people that do like the snyder films those are still canon to you those still happened or if you're like me who's kind of iffy on them they still happen, but everything after this point forward is a different tone and different vibe and it's a different story. It's just like how actual comic books are. If you don't like the New 52, there's this thing called DC Rebirth that might be a little more up your alley. Um, comics are always rebooting themselves. It's just that we've never really incorporated a reboot into the story like this, and I think that's a really smart idea. It's the best idea if you can execute it properly. Yeah. Let's go, dude. I mean, that's um, a part of the research that I did for our discussion topic that we're about to be doing here. I came across the idea that, and I guess it was an observation that I hadn't noticed before, really, that Hollywood really has a habit nowadays, especially, of rewriting the past from the future is is how they said it. I mean, like, okay, cool. So we're here and we need to fix some issues. So how do we, how do we fix these issues without doing reboots and redoing movies? Yeah. And if you do it cleverly enough, it's great. So before we get into that discussion, Josh, you got a sponsor for us this week? Um, Yes. Today's episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast is brought to you in part by Taco Bell. We always got a $5 box with your name on it. And we're dropping things from our menu rapidly. (laughs) I haven't forgiven them for getting rid of the Volcano Taco. Or the potatoes. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, in lieu of the Flash news kind of retconning previous DC movies while still kind of including them, we thought we'd, we'd do something a little different for our discussion topic retcons as josh said are getting more and more prevalent and often we think retcon as a bad thing of like a decision that was made that changed the direction of a film series or of a movie that changed something that we previously know retroactive continuity so changing something that probably didn't need to be changed but sometimes it works out so today we're going to talk about the best and the worst of movie retcons because um, believe it or not, they're not always bad, but there's plenty of bad ones too. So, Josh, do you want to start with the good retcons or the bad retcons? 
Um, let's go ahead and get our bad ones out of the way so that we can just get into the good stuff at the end and just be like, yeah, storytelling. All right. I've got one right off the bat. Okay. Okay. It sucks because the performance is really, really good. But the logic and reasoning of why this character is in the movie is one of the stupidest retcons in comic book movie history. I'm, of course, talking about Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman in Spider-Man 3. Is this in your best category, Josh? Yeah. I hate the fact that he kills Uncle Ben. I think this is such a stupid retcon because... He, like, accidentally kills Uncle Ben and almost, like, forgets about it. It's just like, oh, oops, I... It almost looks like in the movie, if you watch it, it's like Uncle Ben just like, I'm tired of being in this franchise. Just put the gun in my gut and pull. Like, he's, like, (laughs) reaching and, like, pulling the gun towards himself. I'm like, dude, Cliff, franchise isn't that bad yet. I know we just saw emo dancing Spider-Man, but it does get better. Trust, well, it gets better once he's out of it, I guess. But it sucks because Thomas Hayden Church is a great Sandman. And I've gone on record saying numerous times he's actually the best thing about Spider-Man 3 by a wide margin. But just, I remember before I even saw the movie, talking to my dad going, how are they going to make him Uncle Ben's killer? Because, you know, like, we saw the other guy definitively kill him. And that was pretty open and shut case. It just feels so out of left field and so shoehorned in of like a crap how do we do sandman well you were already doing him just fine of just make him some thug that has a daughter he's got to take care of like the uncle ben thing is just such a weird side tangent to try and make peter a redeemable character by the end of the movie which you didn't even need to do if he didn't make him such a whiny brat for most of spider-man 3 it's just yeah the retcon itself wasn't really necessary and it's just bizarre like it's so tacked on and just out there which sucks because Thomas Hayden Church was so good in that role. Yeah. It just... That's fair. So, obviously, we'll be revisiting that later. Because um, <laughs> I have reasons. Um, and that's what makes the show great. Of course. So, for my first worst... <clears throat> I'm going to get my mic up real close here, real quick. Uh-oh. I'm going to say one word. Midi-chlorians. I was wondering. So I hate midi-chlorians. Oh so, my gosh! There's not one, but two franchises on franchises on here that are on both our best and our worst list. And Star Wars Correct. is one of them that's on both our best and our worst. I was wondering yes. what you would put for like worst Star Wars because I've got one too. It's not midi-chlorians because here's where I'm gonna piss Joss off. I don't consider midi-chlorians a retcon. Okay. Because a retcon is changing continuity. I don't think midichlorians is changing anything. Because I think George always intended midichlorians to be the force. Whether we like it or not as fans, I think George always intended for midichlorians. Because if you just look at his original dialogue that got scrapped time and time again, it's more wordy and analytical and boring um so george lucas is not a great writer so i fully believe his original intent 
for better or for worse, was the midi-chlorians until someone probably talked him out of it. Because we love Star Wars, but Josh, say it with me, George Lucas is a terrible writer. He's a decent <laughs> storyteller, but the best yes. Star Wars movies are written by somebody else. And all the best lines yes. were often written by somebody else. So as much as we don't want to... I hate the midi-chlorians just as much as anybody else. But I think we were always intended to get them whether we wanted it or not. I agree. <laughs> However. It's still dumb, yes. They're never mentioned again. It's because Disney did such a hard U-turn on it. Um, so that makes it a retcon! I don't know. I, no, I just, if you want to say Disney retconned, of, Disney retconned just, out the midi-chlorians, maybe, but... But maybe Dave Filoni brings it back because he's such a, a stop. No, of all the things for Dave Filoni to bring back, that is not the like that is not the thing. Mark my words, though, if anybody was going to bring back midi chlorians, it's Dave Filoni because you forget whose cape he sat underneath of for many years and who did he directly train below and learned from and probably knows Star Wars better than anybody else. George Lucas, Dave Filoni learned everything he knows from Star Wars from That's George. Fair. So I'm sure there's there's still plenty of George left in the Star Wars franchise if Dave Filoni takes it over. Fine. I'll, I'll allow it. You don't have to I'll agree. Allow it. But I, I'm just stating my case that I don't think it's a retcon. <laughs> Stupid decision? That's, yes. No, that's, you're, you're not entirely wrong. Oh, no. I had some other Star Wars choice for my... Oh, I mean, I might have two Star Wars on the worst list. Yeah. I actually just looked at my list and realized how much Star Wars is on it. Now I'm kind of <laughs> mad at myself. <laughs> oh, no. It's like people are mad about the sequel trilogy and go, it retconned itself. You do realize how much Star Wars retcons itself, like even back to yes. the original trilogy. It's it's just a theme. Like It's like a poem. It's like poetry. It rhymes, like George Lucas would say. <laughs> it's just some, <laughs> some things never change. Yes. Some things that do change... Okay, I'm going to step on some toes here, okay? I hate Friday the 13th Part 2. No! Oh, I'm going there. I'm going there. I will defend Friday here, but I'm curious to hear your side before I destroy you in a debate. Okay, so... And this is not like midi-chlorians. Like, I, I am firm on this belief um i like part one because the idea that it turns out to me that it turns out to be the mom is more interesting than there being than, than there being an actual like <laughs> big old boogeyman hey, who, he doesn't become the boogeyman in canon until part six i know okay he's still okay, technically okay. So, alive in two three two three and four and it's somebody else in five spoiler alert Yes. So, I hate that they do a, the second one, and then it turns out that Jason is actually alive. Because to me, that negates the powerful. Not, I'm not going to say powerful. That's it's not that big of a deal. But I, it negates the oomph that it's his mom in the first one. I think at least. I was like, well, then where was Jason the entire first movie? Where was he then? Like. He, he he was more or less dead and buried at the bottom of the 
of Camp Crystal Lake at the bottom. But here's the thing. Without that retcon, and I know you don't like the franchise, but without that retcon, there is no Friday the 13th franchise. Because Friday the 13th Part 1, I'm also going to step on some toes, but I don't care, is not nearly the best one in the franchise. It's also not very good. Put shields up in defense really quickly. (laughs) I have all the Friday the 13th movies, and I enjoy them for what they are. Dumb schlock. But the first one is really not that good. Oh, I agree. I, And also, here's really where I need to put my shields up. One of my favorite Friday the 13th movies is the 2009 remake. Put the shield up. Because, uh, okay. okay, Friday the 13th will never be considered high art. But what is Friday the 13th? A whole bunch of rambunctious teenagers who get brutally <laughs> killed by Jason. That is yeah. never better personified than the 2009 remake of nah. really over-the-top teenagers, really over-the-top kills. Don't you dare nah. say Jason X. Jason X is way better. It's more fun, but it's not – it's it's a good, fun horror movie, but it's a bad Friday the 13th movie because he doesn't act like Jason for most of it. Hey. <laughs> Josh hates when I have good points. <laughs> but <laughs> – but without Friday the 13th Part 2, there is no franchise. And for better or for worse, even as a Halloween fan, there are times that we kind of needed Friday the 13th to keep the genre alive. Um, like, yes, I will always say Halloween is better. But I sometimes think Friday the 13th has more of a big cultural impact what people think of with horrors of cheaply made come out quickly, and just there for the kills. Um, And that eventually became the Halloween franchise, which actually ended up getting us some really good movies, like Halloween 4, Halloween H2O, even Halloween 2, I think only happened because of Friday the 13th, which came out in 1980, Halloween 2 came out in 1981. So if we didn't get that retcon, we don't get some really, really good horror movie sequels. So that's my defense, Josh. Still don't like it. <laughs> I didn't say Still you had. Like <laughs> I didn't say you had to. I'm just saying this is my. I said I was gonna fight you. This is my defense. I will never defend Friday the Thirteenth as great movies, but I'll defend them as fun and very culturally important to the genre Fair. that they belong in. I I almost put I almost put the Friday the Thirteenth thing in the best retcons, but I was thinking I don't care about this that much emotionally. Maybe not. Maybe I have more <laughs> more blood in the game than I think. <laughs> Analogy. Uh, so what you got? What you got for your your number? Uh, your number three there, bud. Well, um, let's let's stick on the horror train. Um, okay. And I'm gonna step Choo-choo. on Josh's toes, kind of, until he hears me entirely out. <laughs> Halloween Resurrection. But I don't mind the movie. Okay. I hate the massive retcon at the beginning of the movie. So Halloween, spoiler alert, H2O, the movie right before it, ends with a great showdown between Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, who've been duking it out for about 20 years. And at the end of H2O, she, Laurie finally stops Michael once and for all. She pins him between a tree branch and a car, crash car and chops his head off. we finally definitively beaten Michael Myers. In the very next movie, 
You didn't chop off Michael Myers' head. He switched his uniform and his mask with some nurse uh, and slash doctor nearby. So Laurie Strode killed an innocent man, and Michael kills her off in the first 15 minutes of the movie. It is one of the most insulting and awful retcons ever. Like, if you chop that off of Halloween Resurrection, the movie does not change. It's only there just to have Halloween Resurrection as a movie happen with Michael Myers, which I actually don't mind. It's a fun, stupid movie. But that retcon, just to kill Laurie Short off because Jamie Lee Curtis didn't want to come back for another movie, they actually had to write that, like, work that into H2O somehow. When they were making H2O, they're like, crap. We have to have more sequels after this somehow because Harvey Weinstein, of course, wanted more sequels. But that's one of the most insulting and awful retcons of literally it does no purpose other than to bring back Michael pretty definitively and just neuter the awesome power and message that Jamie Lee Curtis had in the last movie. It's it's just awful. I know you like Resurrection, but there's no way that was a good choice. I'm, I hate myself for, because I get so excited about Buster Rhymes yelling Happy Halloween, Mother Effer, that I forget how the movie starts. Mm-hmm. Also, and you're right. You're so right. Because I literally, I skipped through the first 15 minutes because it makes me so mad. Mm-hmm. So I remember the first time I saw the beginning of Halloween Resurrection, it was on TV. And I was so, so confused. I was just like, wait. This feels like the end of another movie. Did did like I miss a movie or something here? I feel so confused. And I hadn't seen H2O at that time, but I was still super confused. I'm still confused. It's just it's that whole segment doesn't fit that movie and it's just there so this other movie can happen. Don't get me wrong. I like Halloween Resurrection more than a lot of other Halloween fans. But that opening is one of the worst horror retcons ever. You ruined my favorite horror character with um, Laurie Strode, keeping Jamie Lee Curtis away from the franchise for a very long time until 2018's Halloween, which might be on my best list. Um, and it was just a terrible, terrible choice. And it was so cheap of like, you literally chopped off Michael Myers' head. We're going to bring him back somehow? It was, oh, it's, it's stupid. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Because the rest of the movie is pretty enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's a great 90s slasher. And I, I will I, I'll stick to great '90s slasher because it's just good, stupid fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got two more. Josh, how many you got for bad? I got two more bad. So, um, I'll go into another one. A beloved franchise. I wouldn't say it's near and dear to my heart, but it's definitely a iconic franchise that's had its fair share of retcons, for better or for worse is Terminator. Mm, I knew that was going to come up eventually. I didn't even bother seeing this movie, and thank God I didn't. Um, I was excited at the prospect of the guy doing Deadpool is doing um, Terminator. Maybe he can get the franchise back on track, which, again, unpopular opinion, I don't think Terminator Salvation is that bad with Christian Bale. I like that one. Um, oh, yeah, same. Maybe it could have been rated R instead of PG-13, but it's really not that bad. Also... I really miss Anton Yelchin. He's he was great. Um, oh, dude, he, rest in peace. He was fantastic, not just in Terminator, but just in anything we ever saw him in. He was fantastic, and I miss seeing him on screen for stuff. Um, real side, real quick side tangent. What's your favorite Anton Antoine movie? 
I probably still end up going one of the Star Trek movies. I just oh, really, yeah? I really like his checkoff. Okay. Because unlike the original okay. series, he still feels like a kid. Yeah, I I really like Odd Thomas. I kind of thought that might be your. Yeah, Odd Odd Thomas. He's, I think he's the most charismatic and likable I have ever I've ever seen him in that film. And like, it's unfortunate because they set it up for a sequel and, and then he died. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yes, Terminator has had a lot of retcons, and I'm glad I did not see Terminator Dark Fate, because even as someone that's not a Terminator fan, I would have been pissed seeing what they do to retcon it in this movie. So if you want to see the most recent Terminator with a Lin- Linda Hamilton returning, which I thought was super awesome, spoiler alert for the next couple minutes. Um, so Terminator Dark Fate has a flashback scene to right after Terminator 2. After, um, oh, why am I blanking on the name? Sarah Connor and John Connor have survived the Terminator um, for John to someday be the great leader that he's supposed to be. Psych, CGI Arnold shoots the poor kid in the face and kills him. If you like Terminator 2, just know that one of the main characters from that gets shot a week after and dies. There is no John Carter john connor or john carter anymore um <laughs> yeah none no more john connor for you and now it's some other random protagonist i'm just going oh i like t2 why did you have to i know you couldn't get that i know you couldn't get edward furlong back as an actor that's he's a, he's got his own issues but um did you really have to shoot the poor kid and like the icon like besides the terminator John Connor is like the go-to character in Terminator and just be like, no, he's dead. He died when he was a kid. Doesn't matter anymore. I'm glad I'm not a Terminator fan or else I'd be a lot more pissed about this. Just go ahead. Yeah. That's a bad choice, guys. Mm. So fun fact about that scene. And the only reason I know about that scene is because of our favorite series, visual effects artist of React. I don't know if you've seen them react to that specific scene, but mm-hmm. the boy is completely CG in that film. In that, they like they don't even use a body double. Yeah, he looks it's good just, too. He, looks a lot better it, than you Arnold. can't tell. Looks a lot better than yeah. Arnold in Terminator Four, which is not hard. Um, okay, so <clears throat> my next one, I guess technically it's not. I guess it's not a retcon. But it's no, it's 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 a retcon because in the movie that it, that the, the event I'm about to talk about happens, um, the kid is unnamed, and then later Tom Holland comes out and is like, "Hey, man, I knew who that kid was this whole time." Uh, of course, I'm talking about the kid that Tony saves in Iron Man Two. Turns out later, like much much later, is apparently Peter Parker. Um, I dislike this quite a bit same um, same it's not my it, worst but i it's not on my list but i i'm agreeing with this yeah wholeheartedly i dislike it because honestly it's the thing that starts my issue as much as i love homecoming and i'm pretty okay with far from home I'm, i said pretty okay um <laughs> it's my main issue is that he's just iron man t- mini like and that's what it starts here. Then that like, yeah, man, like Iron Man and Spidey have been together since the beginning. Like, it's just stupid. I hate. Rickety dickety. 
If we ever have shirts, Reload. if we ever have shirts, I want that to be our first shirt with Josh's face, and it just says "Rickety Dickety Iron Man Junior." <laughs> okay, all right, I'm down, I'm down. Um, but yeah, I just, I, it, my biggest issue is it doesn't necessarily, I, at least before Far from, from Home when they announced it, I was like, okay, cool, that doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't change what happens in the scene really at all. It's just okay, fine, whatever. It's like it, I hate retcon. I don't mind retcons necessarily. Like midi chlorians, like you, you can argue that you can make an, a, a fairly strong argument why it's okay. Or Jason being in, in part two, you can make an argument whether why it's fairly okay. But Peter being the kid in Iron Man two means nothing. It yeah. doesn't do anything for the movie itself or for Peter. Yeah, it kind of just makes it like a he's predestined to be Spider-Man someday. I'm like, that's... Any, yeah. any Spider-Man story, and Amazing Spider-Man had issues with this. Amazing Spider-Man 2 had issues with this that I still hate. Any Spider-Man story that tries to tell me that Peter Parker was destined to become Spider-Man, I will immediately mm. reject and throw it out the window because that ruins yeah. a good portion of what makes Spider-Man so special to so many of us as kids because Spider-Man can be anyone. And telling kids, you can't be Spider-Man because you don't have the right blood type or whatever else goes completely against everything Spider-Man is supposed to stand for. There's a reason why he wears the full mask because... You're supposed to be able to see yourself in that suit. You're supposed to be Spider-Man. Yeah. And anything that predestines him to be Spider-Man, only Peter Parker could be Spider-Man. I immediately hate it because it's just no. And this is it's just harmless fun, but it, it to me it just makes it feel like Well yeah. It just means Spider Man grew up looking up to Iron Man because Iron Man saved him at one time and now they're yeah. linked like buddies forever. I'm just like I why couldn't he just yeah, be I hate that. why couldn't he just be a random kid the iron man saves just i don't know i know it's fan service but i'm with you it, it was a dumb yeah. fan service yeah it's it's an easter egg for the sake of it it doesn't it doesn't add or take and like uh, that's my thing like if we're gonna have to, if we talk about like this specific issue i have to talk about my issue with sometimes with easter eggs sometimes it's just an easter egg for the sake of it and like that's cool but i don't care like don't don't pander to me Give just tell your story. Like don't ugh. So, Oy vey. so um if I, my math is correct, we should both have one left. And I have a feeling yeah. it might be the same one. Let me uh, okay, so I I preface this with a slash. I said last last Jedi slash Rise of Skywalker. Mine mine says Star Wars sequel trilogy. Okay. Just, that, yeah, that's fair. Just the only, all of it is just. Yeah. So the only reason that I put Last Jedi and Skywalker up there when it comes to retcons is because I'm still very fond of uh, Force Awakens, and I think if yes. anything, it sets everything up very well. I uh, I recently watched a video about um, subverting expectations when it comes to Ryan Johnson um, because he does a really good job. Uh, in, who was the video by? Uh, huh? Who was the video by? I might have seen it. I don't remember off the top of my head, but he was like, hey, it's a British guy. Okay, it wasn't Patrick Willems. Okay, but anyway, so he, because he, he, he does it, and he can basically compares Last Jedi and Knives Out. Um, 
Knives Out, of course, being written after Last Jedi. So Ryan Johnson has an opportunity to learn from his mistakes. So the big thing about uh, the sequel trilogy is that the big question that uh, Force Awakens sets up very well and was very compelling. And I know I don't know a single Star Wars fan that wasn't like, dude, who's who's her parents? Like every it's this big mystery. And then for Ryan Johnson to be like, it doesn't matter who his parents was, who who her parents are. It's not like, oh, okay. It's both disappointing and lazy, and it just felt like you guys didn't even try on this, did you? Like what? And then to go back and rise, rise and Skywalker, and just be like, but wait, Kylo was just playing. <laughs> like what? yes, her parents are nobodies. But her grandfather, loophole. Yeah, I'm like, come here. on. Like, I will always say, I like the Star Wars trilogy, sequel trilogy, individually, just not collectively. Because collectively, yes. those pieces do not fit. It's like having peanut butter, sausage, and popcorn. They're good individually, but together, they're going to create a weird, funky flavor that might not gel as well as something else. Uh, that's so weird that I've actually tried that and it's not half bad. Like those three specifically? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why <laughs> this is a thing when it happens to me. <laughs> I'm so concerned right now. Like, I don't hate Last Jedi nearly as much as Josh. I think there's definitely some issues with the movie, but um, if Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker don't exist, I like Last Jedi better. But it just yes. seems like... And maybe I'm conspiracy theorist here. I have my tinfoil hat on my feet, but I'm not going to wear it for this situation because it's not full on conspiracy theorist. It, the sequel trilogy to me always feels like J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson hate each other and are doing everything they can to spite each other. Like, yes. Ryan Johnson going, well, I want to continue the story, but I don't want to continue it in J.J.'s direction. Um, yeah. And that again, that comes down to Kathleen Kennedy not doing a good job of having a pre-planned story ahead of time it's just good luck and she really needs to go and then when ryan johnson left it just felt like jj was like well i want to go back to the way i did it and retcon everything that he did i was just like i like both ryan johnson and jj abrams as filmmakers i think they're both really good competent filmmakers who make fun movies but i feel like they were butting heads without ever even meeting each other and the constant yeah. out doing of each other and trying to out retcon the previous movie just really brings down the sequel trilogy and the lack of planning is just awful so like we pinpoint the ray choice just being bad but almost like all the sequel trilogy just feels like is retconning itself on top yeah. of each other of like oh yeah finn was actually for mm. see i think re-watching the trilogy it does set up that finn was force sensitive in force awakens actually like that stare down that Kylo has with Finn at the very beginning when he doesn't shoot. I think he's looking at him not because he didn't shoot, but because Kylo can sense something in Finn. I think that was actually set up. Hence hmm. why they fight a little bit. Um, I think I think in the back of his mind, JJ might have actually been thinking about doing Finn into a Jedi. Maybe Last Jedi screwed that up. But yeah, I all of the sequel trilogy is just retcons on top of each other and it's just what not to do when making a trilogy like it's just
bad, but enough bad, yeah. please. Let's move on to some positives, which, believe it or not, actually, yeah. I, have more, I have more positives than negatives, which is good, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, oh, definitely. I, uh, I stopped myself at four just to kind of not dab- dabble too much into things, but yeah, dude, like four. I got, I got four, dude. Let's go. Let's let's get so let's have some happy moments. I got I got five. One that I'm kind of iffy if it's actually a retcon or not. So let's get the one that I'm not sure if it's a retcon or not out of the way. The okay. good the good Star Wars. Do we consider Darth Vader's reveal in Empire Strikes Back to be a retcon or not? That's... I do not. I I feel like that's a that is a possible story detail. I mean, it is problematic with Obi-Wan being like, yeah, you killed your father. But like at the same time, it's like, what would Luke do without information in the beginning anyway? Like, you know what I mean? So it, yeah. That's, it doesn't necessarily, it's not, it's a non-issue. That's why I was like, is this a retcon? Is it not? Cause like from a certain point of view, it is a retcon. However, we cannot disagree though. We cannot, uh, we definitely can agree though, that the Luke and Leia thing, that's a retcon. There is no oh, way. Totally. There is no way, George. George, you can say all you want. There is no way you planned that they were brothers and sisters from the get-go. However, that is, I'm not counting that as a good retcon because we all remember Empire Strikes Back going, planning is a good thing. Um, well, okay, just real quick, can we just talk about the, the way we can prove that that retcon not only was done in return, but he acknowledges it by, by the look on Han's face. When, and mm-hmm. towards the end of the movie, when Leia tells him that, oh, that's not, that's my brother. And his face is just like, what? Okay. Y'all Skywalkers are weird, man. Yeah, I mean, they are, but that's not the point. Yes. Um, I saw a great meme that is just like, how do you sum up all of the Star, all nine Star Wars movies? Skywalkers abusing C-3PO. <laughs> it's truth it's the truth no <laughs> no so um, i have a rec i'll go with one of my first retcons that i don't know if you have or not on your list but i guarantee you it's a movie that both you and i love dearly that came out fairly recently uh a movie that like the sequel trilogy almost its entire existence is a retcon on top of something else but it's a thing that should have been retconned a long time ago travis knight's bumblebee Ooh, okay. I don't know why I didn't think of this. Mm-hmm. All of Bumblebee with Haley Steinfeld is just a gigantic reboot slash retcon. It is a retcon because we know in the 2007 Transformers movie by Michael Bay, before Bumblebee, the only Transformers movie I actually liked, because the first one's not bad. Um, as our friends, the Corridor crew, um, showed fantastic visual effects, even for 2007, because... It's still practical back then. Um, but in 2007's Transformers, we saw Bumblebee coming down to Earth with the other Autobots um, in 2007. And then Bumblebee retcons it, so now he shows up in the 80s with Haley Steinfeld and has much better luck giving us the best version of a modern-day Iron Giant movie. Because that's exact- exactly. It's exactly what it is. Of Hey, I found a giant metal robot that's hunted by the U.S. government that can transform his appearance and might be a giant weapon. That's set in an idyllic past, cent- past decade. Hmm, not Iron Giant at all. But I, <laughs> I love Bumblebee so much. And it, it's exactly what the Transformers franchise needed. And it's a 
long overdue retcon because not only does a retcon the story of how Bumblebee and the auto, other Autobots came to Earth, also retcons their designs too of like long gone are the days of Bumblebee and a sporty Camaro. Now he's what he's supposed to be or the retcon, even as a non-Transformers fan, I got a little giddy seeing the retcon to the design of Optimus Prime going, yes, that's how Optimus Prime is supposed to look. Holy cow. And seeing Cybertron like actually realize like almost all of Bumblebee is a fantastic retcon in the right direction. And I want more of that timeline of Transformers movies. Yeah. So, uh, all right. All right. We're starting off strong, starting off strong. Um, I think my entrance is, it's not as strong because the movie itself is, uh, it's crazy that our, our, our first ones are both like technically complete. The whole movie is a retcon. Um, except yours is definitely a better movie. (laughs) But uh, Superman Returns basically completely retcons th- Superman three and four, completely. Mm-hmm. So, and, but it does it in a very does a, a pretty good job, and I it's not an awful movie. It's enjoyable at least. So, um, I think it's as much as people don't want to think they're similar. I think Superman Returns and Man of Steel are very very similar in that the first half of their movies are great. And then the second half are complete opposites of everything happens in Man of Steel second half. Nothing happens in Superman Returns second half. Um, <laughs> Superman destroys everything in Man of Steel. Superman doesn't throw a punch in Superman Returns. He does yep. nothing. His big epic fight scene is he lifts an island and tries to win over James Morrison's girlfriend. Which also, we talked James Morrison is oddly typecast as furry cgi sidekick friend but also he's unfortunately like stereotyped as i'm gonna steal your girl superman returns x-men the notebook like come on he's a good looking dude um yeah superman returns i don't hate it um and i was wondering if i was gonna put it on this list too I like to forget the Superman three and four ever happened. So I just kind of acknowledge that it's a sequel to Superman two, which (laughs) um, while the movie's not great, I feel like we don't nearly talk about how good of a job Brandon Routh does as Superman. Yes. Because I was talking to someone recently of maybe it's just my bias, but I think Superman is one of the hardest characters to cast because you have to have someone physically imposing, but also there's this like kindness and gentleness that Superman has and this earnestness that Henry Cavill has, Chris Reeves has Brandon Routh absolutely has that. Like his suit looks a little wonky, but at no point do I not go. Yeah, that's not Superman. His Clark Kent especially is actually excellent. Like one of the best Clark Kents we've ever gotten as much as I like Henry Cavill. I think I might lean a little bit more towards Brandon Routh's uh, Clark Kent for the time being until we see man of steel two. Um, yeah, good. And three and four. That might be happening, but don't get too excited. Don't get too excited. Don't elevate the blood pressure. That that day will come, and when that day comes, I'll have to bring my audio levels down as low as humanly possible, so I don't blow out my speakers and stuff. <laughs> but Superman Returns, that's a pretty solid pick, there, Josh. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, sometimes I uh, I make good choices. But but not, but watching that movie is not a good choice. 
No, it's not. Much like my next choice is apparently not a good one, according to you. And most um, people. Let's, so let's talk about Spider-Man 3 when, when Flint kills Uncle Uncle Ben again. Okay. Can we can we do that? Can, please? I suppose. But I'm really wishing I had the Spider-Man 3 gif just in the background just so I could have that over your face. Or over my face so you can't have a straight face while you're doing this. No, no, no. I used to have the that hair too, though. That he does the stupid little hair flip in the. In, you mean in the three. Robert Pattinson hair? Yeah, mm, stop it. Anyway, um, okay. Before you get into that, have you seen the wonderful meme that shows Batman at the end of the trailer with his like eye black and his messy black hair, and the caption just says, "When I was a young boy, my father took me <laughs> into the city to see a marching Did band." You? I'm like. <laughs> Did you ever see – there was a meme that floated around for quite some time of uh, – it was a joke about how Batman does little designs yes. underneath his mask. It's like a butterfly. Eyeliner. Yeah. I am the knight and the knight is fabulous. Uh, but tell us why you think you're vindicated in your Spider-Man 3 opinions. I – how do I say this? While I agree that maybe the um, uh, maybe that the uh, the way that they pull it off is not exactly the best, but like when he, he Uncle Ben like seems to be like pulling the gun towards him, like no, please, I I don't want to be here, please kill me. But like I like, I guess I more like the idea that say that. Sandman has a connection to Peter. I see. I agree if that gets that overplayed, I, though, every Spider-Man villain is somehow connected. Going, but... Every Spider-Man villain is connected, unfortunately, though. Yeah, I know. I. Yeah, but at the same time, like that—that's the whole like Batman uh, thought process too. Is that? Oh, Batman comes to the comes to comes to the forefront and then causes all of these villains. Yes, well, I, but that's I guess different. with that's... Spider-Man, he literally does cause them. But that's different with Spider-Man. He literally knows them and either is that they're either his best friend's dad, his college professor, or the guy he's interning for. Like Batman, he doesn't just hang out with. Uh, Clayface when he's not Batman. He doesn't know him personally, usually. Like, there's some Batman villains that he knows as Bruce Wayne, like Harvey Dent as Two-Face, but, like, Spider-Man in all the movies, for some reason or another, physically knows them. And, like, Spider-Man 4, we were probably going to get the lizard with, again, his college professor. I'm like, come on! He's allowed to not... New York has how many millions and millions of people, and he Every single time they just happen to know each other. I mean, the scientific community is very small. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, but I think, and maybe the reason that I do like this is because I'm trying to rethink the movie without all the bloatedness. And cause I think if it was just Sandman in there, this little retcon would work so much better. You could actually tell the story of Peter finding that out and being like, 
and that adds to it that add, it is like you said it's part of that redemption story but because it's so convoluted with the hobgoblin and with um green goblin uh venom it's hard it's not hobgoblin it's yes hobgoblin. no hobgoblin is ned no yes in the comics ned becomes hobgoblin i hear you no, I hear you. We agree. But it's not Harry Hob- is it's Harry not- is basically Hobgoblin in in Spider Man Three. No, he's SS Tricky Goblin. <laughs> Get out of here! No, no, stop! No, he's Hobgoblin. I've I've said it. It's in it's it's in the universe. It's out on the internet now. Um, actually, well, not yet unless you tell you post this. But um, <laughs> but I just I, I like the idea. I mean, I. I can see your point that he's already connected to every all the other villains. Um, I guess I just I see the scene in my head of when Peter finds out and it's actually traumatizing and he actually I mean I I don't know maybe this is more of me trying to make something really really cool in my head than it is actual what the the retcon is in, in, in uh, reality. And it's okay. You're you're trying to think outside the box. I'm and- trying to. It's that Taco Bell thing. <laughs> Think outside the bun. Um, I got another one that I don't know. I highly doubt it's on your list, primarily because I don't think you ever saw Rocky Five. There's a Rocky Five. Uh, no, there's a Rocky Five Thousand, as mentioned in Spaceballs. Um, <laughs> but in Rocky Five, the Rocky that shall not be named because it's just awful. It takes place immediately after the Ivan Drago fight um, in Rocky IV, which is one of the best Rocky movies. I don't care if it's cheesy 80s Americana. It's wonderful. Um, but actually, one of the few things that Rocky V does correctly is the Drago fight hurt Rocky. Like, those punches, of course, by steroided up Russian, are going to hurt. And in Rocky V, they say that it gave rocky brain damage and he can't fight anymore well my favorite rocky movie rocky balboa basically pretends rocky 5 never happened and he had no brain damage whatsoever because when he tries to get back in the ring he has to take that physical that the council tries to shut him down for and he has that great scene about uh that what that's that thing that they signed down the street the the bill of rights about that life liberty pursuit of happiness uh, you're not letting me be happy. I'm pursuing it. I'm like, that. that's so good. Uh, but in that, they completely ignore the fact that he had brain damage in the last movie. And probably for the best, because it was a really weird subplot in Rocky V. But also, without that, we don't get Rocky Balboa, which is so, so good. And the note that Rocky should have gone out on to begin with, not Rocky V, in a street fight in an alleyway. But yeah. let's... It completely ignores and almost completely retcons Rocky V. Um, no more brain damage. He can fight because brain damage just magically goes away in 20 years. Um, it, do, it, do, it does. It, it does. Well, thankfully, you haven't been dropped on your head in a while, so you remember stuff better. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the – I mean, I guess sometimes. But, yes, I love Rocky Balboa, and I'm glad they forgot all about Rocky V. It's not a retcon that people talk about a whole lot. But without that, 
the Rocky franchise stays dead at Rocky Five, and I'm so thankful it didn't. And we got Rocky Balboa and Creed and Creed Two, which I almost put Creed on the retcons. I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna ask you about that because when I was doing some research, I I saw Creed on that list, and I don't think that necessarily qualifies as a retcon. It's just like a, hey man, we didn't talk about this detail before because it wasn't actually a thing, but it's a thing now. I don't, I don't necessarily consider a retcon just because if Apollo Cruz, not Apollo, Apollo Creed, I always get them mixed up. If Apollo Creed, <laughs> not the wrestler. If Apollo Creed was the main character of the original movies, then it's a retcon. But given that he's a side character, we yeah. don't need to know a hundred percent of his life. Um, yeah. So it, it just feels like to me purposely withheld information not so much a retcon it doesn't change anything about apollo creed like people would be like just means he was an unfaithful husband that doesn't really surprise me but also he has why does it never acknowledge that he has brothers like he clearly has apollo creed like clearly has other kids yeah Um, maybe that's that maybe that's creed three maybe he's got a stepbrother that's also a prominent boxer Instead of him fighting Clubber Lang Jr., which I don't want to see. Um, nah, I'm good. Thanks, fam. But uh, what's another one of your good retcons, Josh? This is possibly one of the best ones. Um, <laughs> so in 2009, there was a series that desperately needed a retcon, desperately needed a, re- a reboot. And so a certain film company, film studio, came to J.J. Abrams and was like, hey, man, can you can you redo our Star Trek franchise? And he does it so. And guys, I am not a Trekkie. So for me to enjoy a Star Trek fan, a Star Trek movie is a big deal. I enjoy all three. So then he retcons the series to the point that. It's technically considered an alternate timeline, and I love it. I know Star Trek, like diehard Trekkies, hate the J.J. Abrams movies, and I'm just sitting in the back as a non-Trekkie fan going, are you guys just mad that he did the thing you never could, which is critical financial success and back-to-back good (laughs) movies? Because like Star Trek, the running joke is the even movies are good and the odd ones are bad, but all three of them are good. And before I say, like, financial success, they made a lot of money, but they're also super, super expensive uh, to make. But, yes, I love the new Star Trek movies just as much as you, and I really wish we were getting more, but I think the pandemic hurt any chances they have of a revival because they were were working on a fourth one. But, yes, that's a good retcon there. Yeah, boy, I'm really proud of myself that I was able to keep that for, for you. And I explained it so well that until I dropped it, that you didn't get it, so I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> uh, how many more you got? I got two. I have one left after that. Cool. Uh, I'll go with my only comic book one that's a positive for me. And it's like my go-to, this is how you retcon it, even if it means sacrificing your own movies in the process. And I'm, of course, talking about X-Men Days of Future Past. Oh, gee. Yeah, I was wondering when that was going to come up. Because... <laughs> Brian Singer directed the first two X-Men. Great. I think more than any other comic book movie, even more so than The Dark Knight, the first two X-Men movies are some of the most influential and important comic book movies we've ever had. 
because Dark Knight came out in a time when we were still consistently getting comic book movies. X-Men is responsible for that first boom after Dark Knight, after Batman and Robin sunk the franchise forever. X-Men had to get everything back to where it was. So those first two are great. Brett Ratner took over, so Brian Singer could do Superman Returns, which we talked about earlier, and did X-Men 3, The Last Stand, Ugh, and ruined the Phoenix Saga before they would ruin it again 10 years later. Um, and then after X3, we got X-Men Origins Wolverine, which I can at least still have f- stupid fun with. It's not great, but I can at least have fun with it. Um, yeah. But we had back-to-back X-Men movies that weren't particularly great. And then it got rebooted with X-Men First Class, which is great. And then Days of Future Past combined the new generation with First Class with the original generation X-Men. And sent Wolverine back in time to more or less fix their timeline, but also make a darn good movie in the process. And then when Wolverine goes back to his own timeline, everything's been wiped away. It's... We don't have X3 anymore. We don't have X-Men Origins Wolverine. That's gone too because he gets picked up by Mystique at the end of Days of Future Past. I don't know if X-Men 1 and 2 are still canon in that new timeline. But I I think that might have been swept away too. And it's a completely new timeline. I Days of Future Past is my favorite X-Men movie. Not called Logan because I think that's in its own like pocket universe. Um, yeah. But Days of Future Past is so good and so effectively cleaned up everything and gave i'm not even a huge x-men fan but it gave me a lot of what i wanted in an x-men movie of more of the team big huge stakes um just a great ensemble cast great great fun and it properly retconned things while never getting super super confusing it fixed the timeline before brian singer would go and unfix it with x-men apocalypse I hate X-Men Apocalypse, man. Mm-hmm. I, I just dislike it. You're going to take a, such a great actor like Oscar Isaacs and put him under so much makeup that he can't actually act. Great. And, good good choices, guys. And looks like a Power Rangers villain. Yeah. I, I even ooze his cousin. All right. What's your last one? Karate Kid? Karate? Huh? You got the Karate Kid Mr. Miyagi hand? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay, okay. We're, and we're making the reference to the Jaden Smith one, which is the superior one. Um, I agree. I literally had an argument on Facebook a couple days ago with somebody about how bad – not okay, not, I can't use the word bad, but how not as good the OG Karate Kid is. It's, it's good. It's, it's your stereotypical – I have to overcome the bully movie. It's, again, watch Cobra Kai. It makes the original Karate Kid that much better, actually. It really, really does. Watch Cobra Kai, Josh. Watch Cobra Kai, people. It's so okay. good. Uh, okay. No, if you want to watch an inferior Karate Kid, just watch Never Back Down Again. <laughs> okay. It's the exact... I need you to call me out on air like that, but Okay. <laughs> I rewatched Never Back Down, and it's not as good as I remember. It's just Karate Kid, except it's got a really bizarre finish of just, hey, you beat the crap out of me. Good job, man. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a martial arts movie for you. <laughs> that's all I got. That's all I know how to say. So um, my final one, before we get too far off track, um, is 
I consider this a retcon because they actually had to talk the actor in to coming back for the third installment. Um, having Han not die in Empire and bring him back from Carbonite is a very good, I'm not going to say the best, but up there with one of some of my favorite retcons because it ultimately real, I don't know. I don't know what return of the Jedi would look like without Han. Luke turning to the dark side and Leia having to save him. Luke and Leia getting together finally or what? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, no, no, I like yours better. <laughs> just, just no, I I don't know if I would consider that a retcon. It just all depends on what George originally envisioned. From what I heard, though, what my understanding was was the reason that Han was frozen was not to permanently kill him off. It was a well, Harrison hasn't re-signed for Return of the Jedi, so we're literally gonna freeze him like we've frozen his contract because we don't know if he's coming back for another one. He's like a Schrodinger's Han of he's <laughs> he's both alive and dead at the same time. So, um, okay, I guess we can consider that a retcon because maybe they did intend to kill him. Mine, of course, I can never go very far. It was in my worst list, but I have to talk about it in my best. Halloween, which actually, believe it or not, there's probably a couple that I could consider the best retcons. Um, when they did Halloween H2O. As much as I like Halloween 4, not acknowledging 4, 5, and 6 is probably a good idea and just going 1, 2, and H2O. But the retcon that I'm going to say, and I know it drove some people really, really mad when they first announced it, but I said from the get-go that that was probably a good choice and it clears up a lot of clutter of the franchise, even as me who enjoys almost all of them, was in Halloween 2018 when they made Laurie Strode and Michael Myers no longer brother and sister think mm-hmm. that's one of the best choices they could have made it basically says the only movie that happened now is the first one and that's it it completely declutters the franchise because after for a certain point halloween just became a choose your own adventure story of like if you like laurie Strode, go this way if you like the potential laurie Strode having a kit go this way if you like magic runes and symbols go this way if you like if michael myers was a redneck why um but the decision for halloween 2018 to not make them brother and sister anymore and more just michael a relentless evil being that just stalks people for no rhyme or reason as opposed to i have to kill my family because of some ancient ruin curse it makes it more scary and more random um and also just gives more credence to yes this is why laurie's prepared because she's prepared for evil not an evil brother type of figure it just decluttered everything streamlined everything also gave it a much easier access point for new halloween fans um like you could just go into halloween 2018 completely blind because halloween 2018 is basically the force awakens of the halloween franchise um but the decision for them not to be related I know it made a lot of people mad because so much of the Halloween sequels hinged on them being related. Two was that was the big reveal for that. Three doesn't count. Four, it's Lori's daughter that's now being hunted. Five, same thing. Six, kind of still in the same ballpark. Halloween twenty, uh, Halloween H two O, still a retcon, but they're still related in that continuity. 
even in the Rob Zombie ones, he keeps that and even doubles down on it in his Halloween too. And I just never was a fan of that. Having them be brother and sister, even John Carpenter himself admits that was not the best choice and he may have had some influence in that one that was not the best. Um, but having them no longer related, it's just so much better. It makes Michael Myers scary again. It makes there no rhyme or reason for his attacks. And just also the brutality and intensity. It just becomes a heated rivalry as opposed to a sibling rivalry. Yeah, it becomes much more like a um, the one that got away for the serial killer and a lot less like the... Well, I, I was going to kill my whole family, but one got away, so I got to kill my whole family. Yeah, it's like it officially makes Laurie the new Loomis, except there's more involved because Loomis just looked after him for all those years. Laurie was actually almost killed by him and more or less has had her entire life ruined by him. So that's a that's connection enough. You don't need mm-hmm. to make them family. Um Josh, you got any last-minute thoughts or best or worst of retcons? I mean, when it comes to retcons and reboots, I mean, it's, I mean, it's obviously they're different, but at the same time, a good retcon can save a franchise. A good reboot can save a franchise. But equally so, a retcon that is done simply for the sake of ma- being able to make more money or make another movie. Much like in TV shows, it doesn't end well. You don't get to just change things wherever you want and audience just accept it. So it it, it all depends on context and, and how you pull it off. I could not have said it better myself. Um, but yeah, what are some of the best and worst movie retcons that you've seen? Let us know in the comments below. Always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, Next week, we'll be dropping the Fantastic Four uh, pitch-off episodes. There's going to be two. Josh will have one, and I will have one, so we're super excited for you guys to see that. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.